Good morning, this is The Trough for Friday the 24th of February. Your daily bite-sized wrap of all the political news you need to know this morning. The former Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, has unveiled what many are calling a manifesto, openly criticising the direction of the Liberals under Malcolm Turnbull and has proposed a suite of policies to tackle One Nation. In his strongest words yet since losing the top job, he told a book launch in Sydney last night that political parties need a purpose and that politics can't be just a contest of toxic egos or someone's vanity project. And he's proposed cutting the renewable energy target, cutting immigration to make housing more affordable, cutting government spending, as well as scrapping the Human Rights Commission. And in a TV interview on Sky, he says there are a lot of people concerned that the party will drift to defeat. Now, depending on your point of view, this is either a warning from an elder statesman about the direction of the party or a full frontal assault to destabilise the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Honestly, it's probably both. But these are strong words from a guy speaking to those faithful in the conservative movement. This is going to resonate at a time where the Liberal Party is doing a bit of soul-searching when One Nation is cutting its grass. And there's a reason it's going to be on the front pages of all the major papers today. It's a statement from Abbott that he thinks something is wrong within the coalition and is now brave enough to publicly state what he's felt for a while now, that the party is heading in the wrong direction. Now, one could rightly question why he didn't implement these policies when he was Prime Minister. And a lot of them will be unpalatable to Turnbull, to the centre of politics, and definitely to the left. But this appears to be an effort to galvanise the conservative forces within the coalition, and it has successfully got a lot of media attention this morning. Now, Julie Bishop, in response in London, says she doesn't accept at all that the coalition is losing ground. And Christopher Pine on Channel 9 went a step further this morning. He says the government has tried to cut spending in Abbott's 2014 budget, and there's still a bunch of those zombie measures stuck in the Senate. He also says cutting immigration would be, quote, catastrophic for rural and regional communities, and says one of the last polls before the leadership spill saw Bill Shorten beat Tony Abbott as preferred Prime Minister, 48% to 30. And somehow, Tony Abbott has overshadowed the bombshell from the Fair Work Commission yesterday. It announced that for retail and hospitality, as well as fast food workers, their penalty rates for working on Sundays and public holidays will be cut. It's unleashed a major political battle between the Coalition and the Labor Party, between business groups and unions. And we've canvassed these arguments before. The business community argues penalty rates as high as double time are obsolete when the economy is running 24-7. Russell Zimmerman from the Australian Retailers Association says this move will allow businesses to employ more workers and to open on Sundays. Unions say this move will slash wages and living standards for tens of thousands of people who rely on penalty rates to pay for food and rent. Now, it's worth remembering a few things about this, though. Ian Ross, the head of the Fair Work Commission, was appointed by Bill Shorten when he was the Workplace Relations Minister and is formerly from the ACTU. This four-yearly review of penalty rates was a process, again started under Labor when it was in power. Now, the federal government's obviously keen to highlight this. Uh, It's described this as an inconvenient truth for Bill Shorten. Now, this may be the case, but this debate is going to fire up a massive debate about the cost of living at a time where wage growth is all but flatlined and when the federal government is talking about the cost pressures on household budgets as a result of higher electricity prices. Now, the federal opposition did itself no favours yesterday when Bill Shorten held a press conference accompanied by a young man working for Coles 
who declared that he'd be one of the victims of the decision. It turns out he won't. Coles Supermarket says he's covered under a separate agreement that's unaffected by the changes. It's embarrassing when a stunt like this comes undone, especially when you've literally had months to plan for this. The changes also have the support of the former Labor Minister Martin Ferguson. Now, while Bill Shorten doesn't approach this issue with completely clean hands, it's clear, though, the political pressure at the end of the day lies with Malcolm Turnbull. As Mark Kenny from the Sydney Morning Herald points out, this is work choices dangerous. In the middle of all this, the embattled chief executive of Australia Post, Ahmed Fahor, has quit. The $5.6 million man announced he would be standing down in July. That's on the same day Australia Post handed down a half-yearly net profit of $131 million. That's up from just $16 million last year. He is due to front a Senate committee next week. He's still expected to be grilled about why there was such a fight in the first place to keep his salary secret. And sparked a major political debate about why his salary was so high, around 10 times what Malcolm Turnbull receives as Prime Minister. Keep in mind, his salary isn't paid for directly by taxpayers. But the political heat from the decision would have been too much for the federal government and too much for Australia Post as well. And this came on the same day that Mitch Fifield, the communications minister, just happened to announce that the remuneration tribunal would set the salary of the CEO of Australia Post from now on. And most likely, Mr Fahur's successor will be paid much less than he was. The former Treasury Secretary Ken Henry has tried to convey some home truths about the state of federal politics and the inability to find structural savings to fix the budget deficit. Phil Curry from the AFR tweeted, Dr Henry, quote, tore Australian politics a new arsehole, unquote, before deciding to delete that tweet, apparently, but the speech to the CETA conference was definitely fiery. Dr Henry has warned that modern politics has descended into trench warfare, where ammunition is populism, and that the language of reform has been buried by the language of fear and anger. Now, he listed eight priorities that need to happen, but won't because of the political brinkmanship. It includes road user charging, a much lower company tax rate, the removal of stamp duties, and the symmetrical treatment of interest and capital gains. He also called for an overhaul of state-based royalties, market-based price signals to cut down on carbon pollution, and a broader, higher rate of the GST. Peter Dutton has been forced to clarify his remarks earlier this week about the refugee deal with the United States after the immigration minister earlier suggested there was some sort of quid pro quo with the US. He'd earlier stated that Australia would not accept refugees from Costa Rica if the United States backed away from taking refugees from Manus Island and Nauru. Now, this was a claim angrily denied by the Foreign Minister Julie Bishop while she was in the United States. And Mr Dutton, after earlier saying that he wouldn't be upset if people characterised this deal as a people swap, now says it's perfectly clear it isn't. He told 2GB that this was just word games and a storm in a teacup. The Indonesian President Joko Widodo will arrive in Australia tomorrow, hot on the heels of Benjamin Netanyahu's visit. He's told The Australian that Indonesia could potentially consider joining naval patrols with Australia in the South China Sea. He's also flagged lifting the suspension on a number of military ties between the two nations after tensions rose several months ago. This visit tomorrow was due to take place last year, but was postponed due to protests that we saw in Jakarta. The Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has also spoken with his UK counterpart Theresa May over the phone. In a readout last night from Downing Street, the pair discussed the fight in the Middle East, and they say they look forward to holding preliminary discussions about a free trade agreement once Brexit gets underway. 
And Peter Harcher from Fairfax also tells us that planning is underway for Turnbull to meet with Donald Trump sometime in May this year. Officials reportedly want the two leaders to stand side by side on a battleship in New York Harbour to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the Battle of the Coral Sea. The only problem is that this would be a week before the federal budget is handed down, so it's going to be a matter of priorities there, I think. And briefly making news this morning, Labor Senator Kimberly Kitching has called for a Senate committee investigation into the handling of the Essendon doping scandal. This follows secret recordings that have emerged about Essendon's reaction to Asada and the AFL in 2012. Senator Kitching told the Herald Sun there should be an investigation into the, quote, motivations of headline-chasing, publicity-seeking bureaucrats at Asada. The ABC says the Attorney-General, George Brandis, was personally involved in the Bell Group matter one month earlier than he claims he was. Now, if this claim is true, Senator Brandis may have misled Parliament over this particular issue. Now, there's a good explainer of this complex but fascinating issue on the website in the ABC. It involves the ATO, the WA government, and the battle to claw back millions of dollars over the collapse of this company run by Alan Bond. The federal government says it's still confident of getting some sort of agreement over its childcare and welfare changes. The social services minister, Christian Porter, was on 6PR Radio in Perth. He says negotiations are, quote, very much alive, despite this setback yesterday when One Nation leader Pauline Hanson criticised the paid parental leave proposal. No plans so far for either Malcolm Turnbull or Bill Shorten today. That could change. Julie Bishop has met with the UK Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson in London. And today, the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, will be fronting a public hearing today in Sydney as part of a review into the RBA's annual report. There's a few committee hearings into the life insurance industry. It's also looking into red tape uh, and the sale and supply and taxation of alcohol. The weather for today, showers and a possible storm in the afternoon for Canberra and a top of 32 degrees. I'm Francis Keeney. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave a review if you like what you hear. And you can also check the website, thetrough.com.au. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Have a good weekend.